just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. The only podcast in human history where two brothers talk about something they like. Not true. I am one of the two brothers. My name is Will Hines. That part is true. And my name is Will Hines. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> okay, well, my name is Kevin Hines. <laughs> we are brothers and um, comedian-ish folks. Uh, we are performers and teachers at the UCB Theater, or we were, question mark, uh, <laughs> slash R. We don't know what's going on with the UCB. Um and we love comic books. We have no official qualifications other than the sheer audacity to begin this podcast and a lifelong love of comics. Yeah, we've been doing this podcast a while now. Yeah, uh, four right. years. That's crazy. So now we've sort of just got momentum on our side. I went back and listened to our early episodes recently, our early Spider-Man episodes. Uh, they were good. We were good. Really? Yeah. I, who, I, I, who hosted those ones? Well, we did. Wow. <laughs> no, 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 I don't know if they were that good, but uh, yeah, I haven't re-listened to them. So I, the only episodes I've ever listened to that we did were the Dark Knight ones. Um, oh, really? Because we yeah. recorded them and then we released them like three months later. So by the time they came out, I was like, oh, what did we say about Dark Knight? Yeah. And I really enjoyed them. Uh, and it was very funny listening to us because you would say something and I would have a thought in my head. I'm like, ah, I hope someone mentions this. And then, and then of course- I mentioned it because I'm the same human being and I heard you say something in two time continuums and had the same reaction and had the same response. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, that's, that's a relief that you are the same person. Yeah, it was, but it was also very weird. Yeah. Um, it's like an echo chamber of me. I've had that happen when I re-listen to episodes. I'm like, I hope somebody mentions this. I'm like, oh, I did good. Um, okay, so to this episode, Kevin, we're doing something kind of new. We're doing something current, which is really yeah, weird yeah. for us. We're going to go over Moon Knight because there's going to be a Disney Plus. There is probably, there's right now. By the time, yeah, this, by the, episode by the time this episode comes out, a Disney Plus slash Marvel show called Moon Knight. And yeah. Kevin and I kind of knew nothing about Moon Knight. I, we That's really right. hadn't read too much about him at all. So we Now, in, in the past, what we would have done is maybe six months after the Moon Knight show ended, <laughs> you and I would read some Moon Knight comics and talk about it. Yeah, but we're trying capitalizing, to capitalizing on no attention, no media. The worst combination, none of the expertise and none of the timeliness. Yeah, so this time we're doing the timeliness. We still are not. <laughs> we're leaving less experts on this than we are on other characters we've covered. Yeah, we, we want to make clear here. What, what we did was we we did try to be a little bit diligent. We read a kind of broad smattering of Moon Knight comics because there's been a lot of incarnations by a lot of creators since his debut in 1975 to get like a sort of quick crash course, you know, overview of the character. Now, we've never read him a lot. We haven't read him a long time. For me, it's been three days. Um, so in a way, we're totally unqualified to talk about Moon Knight. But as comic book nerds, yeah, we, we, we're just going to give our first impression based on this smattering. So uh, before, yeah, Kevin. yeah, before we get into like who Moon Knight is, uh, what did you know about Moon Knight before? Because I basically came to you with a list of like, here's comics I think we should read. What I knew about Moon Knight was what, what did you know and what have you read of him, if okay. anything? I knew what he looked like and I think he's got a cool look. And I I knew that the 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 consensus sort of criticism of him is that he's a ripoff Batman in the Marvel world. I didn't mm -hmm. know if that was true or not, but that's something that is said a lot. It's like, ah, oh, Moon Knight, that's just Marvel's ripoff Batman. And, and I, that, you know what, that's it. 
That's all I knew about him. Had you read anything with him or could you remember reading anything with him? I could not remember reading anything. I don't even remember any appearances of him in comics that I did read. I'm, there must have been. but I, I mean, really He showed just, up in West Coast Avengers, but I don't think in an era. I didn't when, read West Coast Avengers. Because he left when John Byrne wrote uh, West Coast Avengers. So if you had read those issues, he was gone by then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had maybe seen uh, seen an appearance by him in like a team up, Marvel team up, maybe. And what did you I, the, What did you know about him? And, and so I, I, same thing. I knew he was a Batman ish Marvel character, but I also knew he had like a very big following, like a, yes. a loyal, uh, not a big following, a loyal small following. Yeah. Like people who liked Moonlight really liked Moon Knight. Okay. I knew that from like just online discourse. It was always like, when's Moon Knight? Do something with Moon Knight, Marvel. And I'm like, who cares about Moon Knight? Yeah. Let's get some more speedball solo stories, <laughs> right? Uh, so I knew I didn't know that. Now, then when Warren Ellis kind of rebooted the character, I read that run and I read Jeff Lemire's run, which we'll talk about in a little bit. You read them when they came out? When they came out. Okay. And then I read the first issue of the current run by Jed McKay. Um. Uh, uh. So I'd read that stuff before last night. Okay. Um. And so that gave me a different knowledge of, and I'd read the first couple issues of Bendis's run, or maybe just the first issue of Brian Michael Bendis's run. Okay. Um. Uh. So I, but now current Kevin knew a little bit more, but like Kevin, when he was reading comics and Moon Knight was coming out. Because Moon Knight came out in the 80s, early 80s. Like this came out roughly around the time of what we're reading in X-Men. Yeah, he debuted in 75, but he became his own character in full yeah. with his own series in 1980. That's like when his he really right. started. Which is roughly where we are in our X-Men. Yes, reading. that's right. Yeah, a little bit so, earlier. So so he kind of showed up and he was he ran for 30 issues and he was pretty popular. But yeah. uh I had like when we started reading five or six years after this real in real life, I uh, uh, had no knowledge of him. <laughs> I, I just, like, like I say, I remember Moon Knight number one from 1980, Doug Monek and Bill Sienkiewicz. That cover, I remember that cover stands out to me. I've seen that cover a lot. Some of the, the images of him and some covers and definitely some house ads I for sure have seen. Yeah. Uh, but so, never quite enough to pull me in to read it. Okay, so but we we read a fair amount in the last couple of days, so we're going to give our shot of kind of explaining our impression of this character. Yeah, now, this is what we think Moon Knight is. Yeah, and what we're saying, if you're a big Moon Knight fan, we know we're wrong, and in fact, email us at screwitcomics at gmail and help us out. We we would like to be right on this, so let us know where we are about to go astray. And what we sort of did is I put a call out on Twitter to see if there were any specific issues people thought we should read, and so we okay. made sure to read those, and then we sort of read the first issues of a lot of the big runs. Yeah. Uh, if assuming it was on Marvel Unlimited, we only read stuff that was on Marvel Unlimited. So, and I read, uh, I ended up reading all of the Bendis run. So, you and, read more than me and all of the uh, Warren Ellis issues, and then a couple more. I read the first 13 of the run that Warren Ellis started. He, he stopped after issue six. Oh, um, he did. Who, who, who started writing it after him? Boy, Kevin, I don't know. <laughs> Already, first question out of the gate. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Um, Greg something? Uh, I'll have to look. Greg um, Smallwood was the artist on Jeff Lemire's run. Okay, so not that. Um, oh, Greg I, Hurwitz? I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know I'm even I'll look it up. Enter. I'll look it up while you start talking because now I'm curious. Okay, and um, and I read the first seven issues of the 1980 run. I mean, I read a fair amount. And then I read like four or five issues 
from like issue 26 on when Sakevitz's art started to get like abstract in Moon Knight um, or earlier than that, issue 20 on. And, um, and then I read some of the Charlie Houston run. I read the first four issues there. I read, I read, I mean, kind of, kind of, I did more research than I've done oh, for anything. Brian, Brian Wood. Okay. Yeah. Also interesting. Brian Wood and Warren Ellis both are problematic creators <laughs> that they're in the same run is very interesting. Oh, okay. So, um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I am admitting to my lack of preparation, but also uh, I read a fair, a fair number of issues in the last couple of days. So in the last like it, 48 hours, you've gone from no nothing to, to <laughs> owning like, the box set <laughs> jamming out in the corner to your favorite band. Yeah. So first, I think we should, before we get into like sort of our, I mean, some of our opinions will probably leak through, but let's just sort of talk in general what, what we know is. about him now why don't and you what try these that? runs were like. Why don't you just say who's Moon Knight? Well, I also think he changes who he, he is. He changes dramatically, yes. Um, initially, he is a vigilante who was originally a mercenary who mm-hmm. died in Egypt, mm-hmm. came back to life mm-hmm. because of, he thinks, though it's not. Uh, clear if this is true or not in the issues we read that uh, the god Kanshu kind of brought him back to life to be his warrior and when that happened he decided to become this vigilante moon knight but then also decided to assume two other identities yeah so he is a jake lockley a cab driver to get gossip mm-hmm. he is stephen grant a rich bruce wayne-ish character mm-hmm. he's still mark specter underneath all of this ex-mercenary and then mm-hmm. he's Moon Knight, superhero vigilante. That's and right. he's basically just a superhero vigilante who, you know, attacks people at night and beats the crap out of them and then throws yeah, moon, strong. moonerangs at them. <laughs> um, he has an assistant named Frenchie who drives a silent helicopter and a girlfriend uh, named Marlene who stays home and or follows him out and shoots people in the back. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, and then also he's like knows a street. Uh, 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 I, I, a, 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 some guy in the street who like uh, lives on like, the street, a sometimes drug addict or former drug addict named Crowley, who kind of has connections yeah. in the underworld and a diner woman, a woman who owns a diner and her two sons. And they sort of all help him. It seems like, I don't know. I think yeah. maybe that's just the original run, but uh, all that's those big, characters a are a big there. part of the original run is, is it Gina and then Ricky and Ray? I think I don't know the kids' names. It was Gina was the diner owner. Yeah. Um, so this is, yeah, that, that's a pretty good summary. And then why don't you talk about like the major change? What you you mostly just summarized the original run. Yeah, that is what seems to be. And also, like when I was a kid reading comics and everyone was raving about Moon Knight, this is the run that it must have been about because there wasn't really much else for a long time. There were like little mini series and stuff like that. Right, right. But he didn't get big again, I don't think, until Brian Michael Bendis wrote him. By the time Brian Michael Bendis wrote him, though, somewhere in between, he had been given multiple personality disorder or disassociative identity disorder mm-hmm. where he believes he has these other people. Like he fully becomes Jake Lockley and Stephen Grant that he thinks those are real people. Yes. Um, and that becomes a big part of his character going on. Yeah. And, and then also like the way the comic treats that changes, like sometimes it's like, Oh, he's crazy. And and unreliable. And that's something that's like, well, no, he's got a mental illness and we're going to be compassionate about that mental illness. And yeah. it actually existed before his encounter in Egypt. 
Yeah. And, and sometimes we, it's like magically endowed and sometimes it is just a real condition yeah. that is developed in him. But multiple personality disorder has definitely strongly become part of the Moon Knight mythos, even though it wasn't there in the original big run. Yeah, he, he had multiple identities, but he was the same guy. He knew he was aware that it was like a disguise he was putting on. Yeah, it was like Bruce Wayne becoming Matches Malone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, just more often. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Kevin, well summarized. Um, and, yeah. Go. So what I was, when I read, so I read the, so Doug Monek was the original writer and Bill Sienkiewicz was the most frequent artist for a long time. Sometimes mm-hmm. there were other artists, but it was mostly Doug Monek and Bill Sienkiewicz who did this character. And Monek, it was really, it seemed to be Monek's baby. He like, he created Moon, co-created Moon Knight in Werewolf by Night. <laughs> and then Marvel fanfare and sort of like scattered appearances from 1975 to 1980. And then was given his own title. And then somebody else did a little Moon Knight series in the mid 80s. But then Monek did him again in the late 80s and, and 90s. So Monek was the original architect yeah. of Moon Knight for a long time. And Sienkiewicz still frequently will do Moon Knight covers, even though he's. it's been a long time since he's been like Yeah, but artist, I think it was his, his first ongoing title. Like he had I've had some short stints on books, but this was his first, this is his book, right? This is pre-New Mutants. This is where he sort of started becoming the superstar artist. artist he is now. It started with Moon Knight. Uh, I will say in those first few issues, his art is fine. Mm-hmm. Like it is, still has like a... a there's parts of it that are really appealing and cool. And there's parts of it that feel not that great. Cause it's not as stylish as he gets later. Right. Um, we should say uh, Bill, Bill Sienkiewicz is most famous for a style. He evolved in the mid eighties, which is like this very abstract impressionist mm-hmm. style. Uh, it's really on display in the new mutants. issues he did. That's right. First ran into it. But yeah. before he was like this, he was kind of a standard fair Neil Adams protege protege yeah right? a guy who really wanted to be neil adams it looks like okay he he drew pretty standard yeah. although, although good uh comic art before he kind of announced before he sort of moved into this really abstract style so when you say bill sinkevitz today you are invoking this kind of abstract yes stylized art but there he had a long tenure where he wasn't doing that and when he did moon knight at first he was still standard Sink habits. Yeah. And I read the first four issues. Then I read issue 24, Six. 26. Mm-hmm. And then I like skimmed through a couple of issues in the early, the early twenties uh, because issue 26 was beautiful. Yeah. By 26, he had fully moved into his abstract style, which gave a whole new feel to the comic. Yeah. And, and it looked cool. And the issues I flipped through that I didn't have time to read also looked great. And I was like, Ooh, this is a comic art alone would carry this. Yes. Uh, um, uh, uh, it looked really, looked really cool. I, I totally agree. Like, um, once, I, I don't know when that transition happens. Like, I don't know I when like the, the comic teens. just starts, looks great. Um, but I don't remember what single issue it happened either. It must've been strange at the time to be reading Marvel comics. And then there's this guy who just like, it meant that like one out of every 15 issues of Marvel comics would just be drawn in this abstract dream like way. Yeah. And I also assume it like, wasn't one issue, right? It was probably something that built Evolved. up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I wonder where it was where you'd look in an issue and be like, oh, this is what I would imagine it would look like. Yeah. And the and the early issues are not. They're like, they're good. 
and they're okay, fine. So I think you've said this now. So is the original Moon Knight good or bad? As from I, your in your quick impression, I did not care for it. Yeah, I didn't either. And 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 what what do you think it's problems? Uh, it just felt. Uh, I mean, again, I read five stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it felt formulaic. Uh, uh, it the, the characters felt like they're they're interesting archetypes, but I just I did not get invested in any of them. Yeah. Uh, and so like, you know, it's what makes me love Spider-Man is that I care about Peter Parker and I care about Aunt May and I care weirdly about like Flash Thompson and J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Uh, what makes me love, uh, uh, Superman comics is if I'm caring about Clark Kent in those stories and Lois Lane in those stories, if I, mm-hmm. like comics that I get sucked into, like when I love a Hulk run, it's cause, Ooh, what's, what's going to happen to the Hulk? I care. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I really fully cared about Moon Knight. I thought the trappings were interesting. Yeah. Uh, it felt almost like a vigilante Sherlock Holmes in a way. Because mm-hmm. he had like his Baker Street irregulars and, yes, you know, master of disguise. Uh, he wasn't really a detective in the sense he wasn't looking for clues, but sort of this, you know, rich person sort of kind of moving all his pawns aside. You can, totally, uh, you can totally see how the Batman comparison gets made. For sure, yeah. But I also see what they were doing to separate him a little bit, right? Like, yes. Um, the the multiple identities is a very different thing than Batman would have. Like regular identities that he is yes. relying on is very interesting. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't. I would not have gotten hooked on those first four issues. I would not have kept reading it. Right. I I, I would. To me, it was hilarious to read these early issues. I mean, whenever you read comics from the early eighties, yeah. to some degree, they're dated and it feels strange. But even aside from that, it's just like there were so many ideas thrown in that first issue that yeah. were not followed through on or explained. It's like he's a mercenary. He rebels against his leader and then is betrayed. Then he's maybe brought back to life, not clear, with no other supernatural abilities other than being maybe resurrected. Then he just adopts two other identities, one of which is a millionaire. Don't explain how he got rich. Yeah, there's like a caption that says like, he he leveraged his money to become rich. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. Yeah, no explanation. Um, and then he is really rich. He is Batman he's, rich. He's Bruce Wayne rich. And then um, he's he's friends with an owner of a diner and her two kids, who he puts in insane danger all the time. Then he also is friends with this, you know, guy in his sixties, former slash current drug user, street guy named Crowley. Not explained how that friendship happened or what what's in it for Crowley. And then Frenchie is just a mechanical genius who provides for him insane gadgets. We don't – I mean, he was from his mercenary days, but that friendship is not – I don't know what's going on. Yeah, they're just all there. I mean – And, and to it's be, just too much. To be, like, I, to be I fair, though, like in the 80s, I don't know if Alfred was explained or, you know, like it's, it's not like everything is always explained. I t- yes, but maybe it's just there's not as many – elements period in that just alfred (laughs) i mean he inherits his money his parents are murdered moves him to do crime and alfred is from his family's days that that's even you're right it's not explained but that that's only one right you're right yes exactly and i know where bruce got his money and i understand why he emotionally he's doing it i relate to the idea of revenge or whatever you know yeah yeah. moon knight is just like I'm brought back to life by this Egyptian God. Are you? I won't say. And then it's like, what's going on? And, um, but 
but I also felt that it was impassioned. I felt that Monek cared. It was not like this was being written by committee or like thrown together in an artificial way. There was something personal in it that I did respond to. I was like, I can tell that Doug cares about this. Like there's passion here that I appreciated, Mm -hmm. but it was so all over the place that I was kind of like this. If I were the editor, I would just be like, look, you got to have fewer ideas because it's, I I don't, it's a, basically you're shoving like eight stories in one here. Right. Um, Now when Sienkiewicz's art gets abstract, again, I think it's like in the teens that art is good enough that it makes up for everything. Like that issue 26, which got recommended to us by several people on Twitter was really good just in terms of how the art told the story. The story was weirdly a retread of one of the earliest stories. It felt like, right. It felt like the, almost a retread of the Crowley story where this guy, this child is hunting the father who abandoned him. Yes. But it was just told in a much more beautiful, interesting way. Uh, I, Moon Knight also reminds me, I often make this comparison on our podcast of um, uh, uh, Doc Savage. Okay. Uh, the pulp character who like um, was a, you know, big uh, uh, pulp series of pulp novels where he had like a team of experts. He had like a driver and a fighter and a, a master of disguise, like all these people working for him. Mm-hmm. And I read a couple of those novels because I got really fascinated by pulp stories and I'm sure there are good novels of this, but I found them very also like sort of like just mechanical where it's just like, okay. oh, there's all these characters and and they do their things and the, the case is solved. And it's like the plot has to carry it because the characters aren't doing it for me. Yeah. And that's what Moon Knight also reminds me of. And I just think like in the 80s, that probably was a huge influence, just pulp novels. Yeah, just right, right. Uh, in the sense that like Tarzan was a pulp novel and John Carter was a pulp novel and Tarzan sort of overcame and, it just because Conan simpler. Yeah. And Conan, like the characters that are sort of simpler had more lasting power. Yeah. Cause it's easier to have Tarzan in movies like Doc Savage is like, Oh, it's too much. Yeah. And what's Moon going on feels like that. Like, you need a, you need a modern MCU to make this guy work or what you need. Uh, Moon Knight is also interesting. And we'll talk about this as we go, but like, I think Marvel has this like, Oh, we have this character. If there's something about him that works, let's keep, trying things with him until something clicks. Yeah, and I think be, that's what a lot of the next creators are trying to do. I really like a lot of the reboots and I like what gets done with him. And I liked him yeah. a lot more in the modern tellings. Um, so what did you read? Do you want to move on to the next thing? Yeah. I, I will say, yes, I, uh, I didn't add on to this, but I did love the art by Bill. And I do think there's a chance that if I started reading it in the teens, I would have kept reading it just because it looked so cool. Yes. Especially at that time, it would have stood out so much. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say one more thing. I read a little bit in the mid eighties. There was another series, Kevin, I forgot by Alan, somebody, boy, I should know. Oh that. boy. You should write these things down. Cause I didn't read it. Um, it's, it's the next series in the mid eighties after Doug Monek's original run. And then before Doug Monek starts doing it again. Oh, Chuck Dixon also does a big run. Chuck Dixon. And, and I love Chuck Dixon. That would have been early Chuck Dixon, which, uh, who knows what I would have thought. I read of that. three of the um, Chuck Dixons too. I forgot. Um, and that in my quick read of it seemed to be kind of standard fair superhero stuff like vigilante at night villain of the, you know, there, there wasn't yeah. a lot of psychological stuff going on. Um, yeah. But Chuck is good or he, he becomes very good at character writing, but I, that's so early Chuck that I don't know if he had quite gotten that hook down yet. He has always been good at like action. He might've just really been good at like doing character stuff while also doing action later on. I didn't see it in my admittedly yeah. very quick read of these three issues. 
he might have just been trying to prove that he could just do a standard fair superhero story at that time. Yeah, I mean, I mean that would have been the, early. In the Alan, not Silvestri, because that is a composer. Um, uh, in the see. in the in the Moon Knight series that happens in 1984 or five, that's when the disassociative identity disorder. It's just called schizophrenia. Then they they kind of like did the wrong disease, but like multiple personality thing starts getting hinted at. Alan starts hinting that go. he really gets lost in these identities. Uh, Alan's I never heard of this guy. Alan Zelens Zelens Z E L E N E T Z. Yeah, Zelens. Um, so he he I think on this run it gets the initial ideas of there being multiple personality disorder get planted. And I think that's an interesting thing. I really love there was a Human Target series by Peter Milligan where they play with the idea that he loses less multiple personalities. And it's more like he loses himself and the identities he becomes. Human targets about a guy who disguises himself as somebody else, becomes them so that he is the target of assassins. Yeah. And then after he foils the assassination plot, he goes back to being himself. And Peter Milligan's story was basically like, oh, he doesn't know who he is anymore. He's lost himself through the years of mm. totally becoming other people. Oh, that sounds cool. Uh, and it, it's a really, really great comic, really underrated. because uh, It's not fully collected, I think. Anyway. Well, uh, as we move so on I like to the that other, idea, yeah, it's fun. Um, as we move on to the other series, what what Moon Knight becomes, and an interesting thing about all the future series of Moon Knight after this original Doug Monek run, is is basically, here's my opinion: because Monek threw so many incongruous ideas and did not explain them fully, future writers basically were left with puzzle pieces, mm-hmm. and they had to like try to reconcile them. You you know, in different ways by emphasizing different parts of it, de-emphasizing other parts of it, making choices. And Moon Knight sort of becomes like reboot fodder. Like yeah. he gets rebooted how many times? We read like five versions of Moon Knight. And it becomes really interesting to see what modern writers do with him. And which and Mo- ones, and which changes stick? Yeah, right. Which, because some of them do, some of them, some of them stay with it. And it, it really becomes interesting to see that they all seem to have done their homework and read the previous incarnations and sort of picked and picked and chose what they liked from the previous ones. But I, and I also, it, I, I do think that is an interesting way to approach like bringing back a character to sort of being like, well, what worked? Yeah. Like versus like going, I'll just do that again. Like eh, if, if, if that worked so well, it would still have been running maybe. Like Bushman, his initial villain which is the yeah. mercenary that Mark Spector is working for um, uh, and who like, you know, Mark Spector becomes disillusioned that Bushman is too evil, even for his right. mercenary values. Right. He and wasn't then, tick, He wasn't tipped off by the metal sharp teeth in Bushman's mouth. Yes. That wasn't enough to make him realize so Bushman he betrays was a Bushman and then Bushman tries to murder him, which leads to him becoming Moon Knight. Bushman remains like an antagonist for like the yeah. almost every series. I mean, there's not enough villains. <laughs> Bushman doesn't seem all that interesting to me, but um, he doesn't. But he somehow the the mercenary part of his past seems to stay. Yes, and, and the and the moment of collapsing in the desert and being dragged into the temple always stays. So, okay, so ahead. he becomes schizophrenic during this uh, Alan Zelens Zelens yeah series. Chuck Dixon does sort of a by the numbers action series. What's seems after that? To. Is that Charles Huston after that? Yeah, Houston? well, there's some more little Doug Monek drips and drabs in the 90s. 
um, that I did not read and I and uh, are probably really good. Uh, it's our original. I also think Doug Monick was not. He becomes a much better writer himself. Like I think he was good in these Moon Knight issues. He he. This is before he'd written Batman for like eight years. Yeah. So I didn't read his '90s stuff. I bet you that stuff's really good, but I frankly just ran out of time. And um and I. And I think he started playing with the multiple personality stuff. But the next big and the first big reboot is Charlie Houston in 2006. Right. I read the first issue of this. Me, I read the first two. And um, what what it, what 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 was it like? And what'd you think? Um, I think I, I have a guess, but I want to hear you say. Oh, uh, well, I did not like it. <laughs> um, uh, it's very. Um. Is grim the right word? I don't know. It it, it feels like a it's when, like when gr- did that gratuitously come? violent and like yeah. pulpy and like yeah. I mean, it's like it's like look lost, how gory this is. He's and, lost all his friends and allies. He like had an opioid problem. Uh, you know, it's sort of the watchmanification of Moon Knight, right? It's like oh, what a broken human being. Yeah, this or guy the Dark Knightification even more. I think just like. Um, well, in the sense that Dark Knight didn't, Dark Knight is a maniac, but he doesn't have like real life problems. Like Moon Knight seems to have real life problems. Okay, yes, I see. Uh, like he's drinking and doing drugs and like lost all his money and like was in a wheelchair for a while. It seemed like, and just like loved being violent. Yeah, he finds Bushman and rips his face off of his skull in the first. Yeah, issue. that must have been in the second issue because that was not in the first issue. The first issue is like he attacks a car. And then, like, the rest of the issue is just showing how horrible his life is. Yeah, um, he's lost everything. Yeah, uh, and I didn't care for it. Uh, it definitely felt of its time. I didn't care for it either, and it just felt, like, too kind of dumb and violent. But I was uh, in the letters page of the first issue. Charlie Houston writes a essay about how much he loved Moon Knight and how much it means to him to be rebooting it. And I was kind of moved by that. He seemed to be like, he was in it for real. He's like, look, I love yeah. this character. I'm like, well, I don't like what you like about it, but I I do kind of like when Marvel Comics gives it to the guy with passion. And uh, there is a thing that he, that I think comes from him. Uh, again, I don't know. We're not experts. <laughs> this constant disclaimer. But yeah. in that first issue, he talks about how he wears white because he wants them to see him coming. Yes, I think and this is sticks. from him. I think this is from him and it does stick and it is cool. He's and he kind of is like, why would a guy have a bright white costume if he's a vigilante at night? Well, maybe that's on purpose. He likes him to see him coming. I think that is from Charlie and it does stick. And it's in in, in almost every reboot very early. Yeah. And so that and is, it is important, a cool thing. It, it is, is a, a very thing. cool thing. And it's a really cool contribution. And I will say reading this smattering that my two big takeaways were one, it's interesting to watch what sticks, which I've already said, like, it's interesting to see like, oh, this part is just now been absorbed into it in the same way that like uh robert downey jr's mannerisms have been absorbed into iron man in the comics it's like oh this is just part of who iron man is now yeah like it's interesting to see when these sort of things happen it's you know uh, uh like spider-man is this weird case where like most of what makes him spider-man was in those original stories but a lot most characters have like things that come up much later on it's like no this is just part of it now and spider-man does too right like yes. spider-verse is weirdly part of him now yeah Multiple Spider-Mans is a weirdly a part of the Spider-Man world uh, because it like was popular and cool and it worked. And so in the same sense, it's fun to watch that. But the other thing that was very interesting when I was reading all these is just watching how the style of comic, like those first four issues took me as much time to read as everything else combined. Oh, really? Yeah. 
the 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 monic issues from the five i guess i read i felt like i spent half my time reading those and then half my time reading another 10 12 issues because it just comics today just move faster there's less words there's more like action there's more like three pages of just like a car crash okay yeah um so those are two very interesting takeaways but yes uh it is really cool that even in this run that i didn't care for i immediately saw something that became part of who moon knight is yeah and i would be shocked if that is not part of the tv show yeah it's interesting um what should we move on to next i think now we we take a break break. i could feel it coming all right we'll take a break we'll be right back So, Kevin, Screw It Comics is sponsored by Shortboxed. Why don't you tell the people what that is? Shortboxed is an app and a website where people buy and sell graded comic books uh, that they've uploaded photos of and then you know, ship them to each other. Sort of like a, a, a very specialized uh, shopping network. I've already talked too much. Uh, no, you're doing great. And uh, what is uh, graded comic books? Graded comic books are when people send their comics to a third party. Mm-hmm. We take these comics and kind of judge the condition of the comic book. Is it is it folded? Is it ripped a little bit? Is it how faded are the colors? And then they kind of seal it in like sort of this hard plastic and send it mm-hmm. back with a grade on it uh, between like zero and 10. So 10 being like, oh, this comic is in perfect condition. It could not possibly be better. And one is, what did you do to this comic book? <laughs> what happened You're here? a monster. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Sharpbox, their app has just been redesigned recently. So it's more intuitive and prettier. And they have giveaways where you can like enter contest to win graded comic books, sometimes signed, sometimes pretty old. I enter, I've entered a few and I've won zero. Hint, hint, short box. Let's rig it for your sponsees. Yeah, that there's no controversy there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Shortboxed is great. We think you should download the Shortboxed app and check it out today. Or tomorrow, one of the two. And we're back. So let's get into the... Big reboot here, uh, Bendis's. Yeah. Now, Brian Michael Bendis is quite possibly the most important writer that Marvel Comics has had. Interesting. Since maybe since Stan Lee. That's a huge thing to say, I realize. But like, this is the guy who did Ultimate Spider Man, kind of rebooted the Avengers with Wolverine and Spider Man in it. He was sort of this guy who, when he took over a book, it sold. Like his name alone is enough to like, like he made Luke Cage popular again. Uh, So when he wanted to do Moon Knight and he had a hook he wanted to do for Moon Knight, it's like, oh, this might work because this guy kind of is magic right now. Yeah. Uh, And his take on Moon Knight was to have his personalities instead of being a taxi driver and a millionaire and a millionaire to become other superheroes. So he starts imagining that he is Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Captain America. Right. And he's also in L.A. I mean, he said he's he was in the West Coast Avengers for a while, so he's got L.A. roots in a, in a sense. But now yeah. he's creating a TV show called Moon Knight or whatever. Yeah. And it's probably he's in L.A. just because too many characters are in New York, even though yeah. he fits probably pretty well in New York. Uh, it's just tough to have a character that hasn't existed for a while and put them in the same city as the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, the Avengers, and Daredevil, and everyone else. So he is in L.A. Um, Do you need him that well? 
<laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I was supposed to use our break to find this thing, and I, I found it now. Go, I, I'm ready. Um, yes, so the Bendis run, I read the whole Bendis run, um, and it was remarkable just how much easier a read it was than any of the previous issues I had read. Just like there's a simplicity to it, like you're saying, mm-hmm. just like not as dense as the Monac or the Chuck Dixon or the Alan uh, Zelensk stories. Yeah, which just I hadn't like, read either of those. I think the uh, Charles Houston also issue read very fast and simply. It just wasn't my style. Okay, yeah. Um, but the Bendis one was like a the first one that for me personally was like a pleasure to read. Like I read the whole thing and it was really satisfying. Echo, the um, character who was also getting a series very soon, probably is out by now. I don't know. Um, it's not out yet, but she was in the Hawkeye. She's a, a supporting character in the Hawkeye series. And there is a series of her coming out. Yes, Mark um, MC is working on a Echo show. Um, she's she figures big into the Bendis uh, mm-hmm. story. It's only twelve issues. It's pretty fat, pretty not not a huge volume of stories. Yeah, I read the first two issues of this. I'd read the first issue when it came out, and I read the second issue last night. Uh, Bendis is a real playful sense of humor that's evident in the in this one. Um, yeah. It's way lighter and happier than the Charlie Houston like violent brooding one. Yes. Um, I, I sh- what I wanted to look up was there was another series in two thousand nine, right before the Bendis one called Vengeance of the Moon Knight, written by Greg Hurwitz and drawn by Jerome Opeña, which artist. among other things, de-violencized Moon Knight and brought he in the first issue of the series, he's like, I will no longer kill. I'm going to do as little violence as necessary to accomplish my goals. Good for uh, him. And, and that's a correction, I think, from the from the Houston series. Yeah, I think that's a good correction. I think heroes that kill too easily, it works if in very rare cases, like you know, a Punisher or what have you. But in general, I think it it hurts heroes overall. He is still. It's called shock and on. It's like vengeance of the Moon Knight. He is trying to do like the striking fear into the hearts of people, mm-hmm. and he his multiple personality disorder is part of like what makes him like you don't know what I'm gonna do next. But right. he he still is more overtly like a good decent person in those yeah sorry and then ben by bendis he is even like lighthearted. you know he's he's got like a playful sense of humor about stuff yeah bendis is silly at times and he's a dialogue heavy writer he'll have like three pages of like one monologue or two characters kind of going back and forth mm-hmm. um which is very weirdly even though it's a lot of words it's a very quick read generally uh, and also it's a, it's a fun hook, right? Like if you were trying to reboot this character saying like, well, instead of him becoming a cab driver, let's have him become Spider-Man. Yes. And he, a even, he even interesting hires, hook. he teams up with a guy who gives him web shooters and he also thinks he's Wolverine. So he gets like some knockoff version of Wolverine's claws strapped yeah. to his hands and a, and a knockoff Captain America shield that he uses. Yeah. Um. It's they're, they're really fun issues. I really enjoyed it. I guess they didn't sell that well or something, but I, uh, I I think they probably sold fine. They weren't like they probably did not sell as well as those Avengers comics, which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and I also think Brian Michael Bendis at that point was just like doing too many things. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I rebooted Moon Knight. Someone else can take this, but it okay. wasn't doing quite enough well enough to work without him. Would be this is my guess. I really don't know that obviously the decision making of Marvel comics. Yeah. Uh like it sold well enough. It brought Moon Knight kind of back, but not quite, not quite in a way. Like the, the problem with this Moon Knight is I don't think it is quite strong enough to be like, oh, someone else could do this. Yeah. Because it would wear thin, I think, the idea of him being other heroes all the time. Yeah. I it, It's confusing. Um, 
I mean, the other heroes serve as little voices in his head and like Wolverine's yes. always telling him to be violent. Captain America is telling him to be like sort of honorable and Spidey is kind of the mischievous one. Um, and so it's, it's, it's fun how they work in his brain. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read that first issue and it wasn't enough for me to keep reading. I was like, oh, this is a fun hook. I still just didn't care enough about Moon Knight. Uh, it certainly is at this point, the most interesting version of Moon Knight I've read. Yes, I, I agree. Um, um, I, I read a lot of comics and basically it comes down to it. It's like, am I going to read, am I going to add this one to the ever-growing pile, which might push something else out? And yeah. this didn't do it. Gotcha. I think that's totally fair. Um, both that it was the best one yet and not good enough. Let's we move on to the next one. Sure. So the, next, the next one, one, Warren Ellis? Yes. The next one is Warren Ellis. Um, 2014, uh, he reboots it again. He had done, he had made, Moon Knight had appeared in Secret Avengers, which Warren had written. And he had. Warren he, had written that? Warren I, I had think written the, at least Moon Knight's appearance in Secret Avengers. Oh, um, and made Moon Knight kind of a, a guy in a white suit, more like a Mr. A kind of. Did you read the Secret Avengers? Or I, I thought the suit started here, but I guess maybe that might not the be The suit true. started in Secret Avengers and then. Oh, became more fully fleshed out here. Um, I didn't read it. I just I just read about that. Oh, great. Um, uh, uh, the Kevin, aren't, you, a, aren't you proud of me? This is more research than I ever This is the most did. research you've ever done Yeah. Uh, uh, on a non-Love and Rockets comic. <laughs> so but what, so what, what is striking about the Warren Ellis thing is he is wearing a suit and like a white mask, kind of like um, a Rorschach mask, not with the spots, but just like a tight, Cover yeah. or like a question mask. Yeah. And he's just called Mr. Knight. Yeah. Um, first of all, the art and this is by this guy, Declan Shalvey, who I think is incredible. The art was amazing. Uh, yeah. The art is really, really good. There's a lot of great artists throughout the run for Moon Knight. Uh, and this is just like another level of it in my mind. He's just he's just a really great artist, a really great designer. And so yeah, so Moon Knight becomes or Moon Knight sort of. I read the first three issues of this run and I've read the whole six issues before at some point. Okay. Um, but it's almost like Moon Knight becomes like three different versions of Moon Knight. Yes. So instead of having three secret identities, he has like three superhero identities. Right. He's Mr. Knight, sort of a helper to the police, like a private detective. Yes. Like a gentleman. He's in the suit and he's got the mask. He becomes the regular Moon Knight, the superhero. He's got a little bit of black in his costume now, but is otherwise the classic Moon Knight. Mm -hmm. And then like sort of the occult version of Moon Knight with like a skull. And a big beak. Yeah, with like a big beak that looks sort of like Khonshu and like chains and vestments and things like that. Um, and they all yeah. sort of are really cool designs. Yes. Um, it's also kind of declared in this thing that Yes, he has multiple personality disorder. Yes, he sometimes fully just goes crazy and loses grip on reality beyond that. And then also, but Khonshu is real. He really did have a supernatural encounter with an Egyptian deity who brought him back to life. Like that is that is said to be true um, in this, in this yes. issue, in this run. Um, this was the most fun one to me of I, I like from Bendis on, I like all the Moon Knight series, but this was the most fun. Yes. This was um, my favorite 
uh, again, of what I'd read prior to doing these things. I read, I bought all six issues of this. I love this little snippet. Warren Ellis has become a very problematic creator, we should say. Mm-hmm. He has uh, been under fire for how he's treated female fans, both on his like message boards and things like that. It is something I think he is working on with the people that he has wronged. Like they are, it is a conversation that is ongoing. Mm-hmm. But I just want to acknowledge that like Warren Ellis at this time probably was a bad dude. I don't think it was known at this time to the general public. It, is, it has become well known since then. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. Uh, I was not aware of that and I appreciate being made aware of that. Yeah. But, the, but the guy knows how to write a comic. Uh, I, I mean, Warren Ellis no is doubt, great. No uh, about that. There's a bit of, yeah. And he's also really good at writing single issue stories, which is weirdly a lost art. Like Brian Michael Bendis is really good at like a six issue arc and, and yeah. Warren Ellis is good at like, it's six individual adventures, right? Yeah. That's this what struck arc. me about this, his little run here is each issue is a, is a self-contained adventure Yeah, that drops hints about the overall Moon Knight mythology, but there's a beginning, middle and end that happens in the issue itself. Uh, Moon Knight is sort of a solo act in this, right? He doesn't have anyone helping him. That's right. Very much a solo act. You got a self-driving car and a and a mm-hmm. and an autom- and a drone that he can jump on. And and Warren Ellis's humor is shown with like him sort of embracing his insanity. Like there's some moment where he's like climbing down into the sewers to go face the unknown, and he just says out loud, like, this isn't crazy. <laughs> or this is a sane thing to do, I think is what he says. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's sort of just acknowledging like oh, this character, there is something wrong with him. And we're just having <laughs> weirdly having fun with his mental problems. Uh, but it, know, it's really fun. He he embraces maybe the strengths of it. He's like, well, I'm willing to do things that other people won't. And I'm and I'm yeah. not frightened by things that frighten other people. Yeah. Um, the Mr. And the Mr. Knight thing is probably the main thing that continues on from this run like that is now. That's part, part of, of who Moon Knight is. And when he is in that costume, he wants to be called Mr. Knight. He's yes. not Moon Knight. That yeah. is another personality. And it sticks. It's such a cool design. I think it couldn't not stick. Um, I read the first 13 issues. Um, and it was, it was even after Warren left, it was a really fun run. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Greg Smallwood is the next artist, I think, who worked with Brian Wood. And Greg Smallwood is also a phenomenally great artist. He also is the artist on the Jeff Lemire run. Okay. Uh, Greg Smallwood is great. So let's go to the Jeff Lemire run. So then after this little run, two I years also later, read this entire run. Okay. You've all right. I did not read this entire run. I read, I, first, I didn't read it all last night. I read the first three issues last night, but I've read the entire run at some point. I read the first three and then also, <coughs> excuse me. Um, one a little bit later that got recommended to us issue one ninety four. Kanchu sounds like a tight. That's what I was going for. <laughs> Um, or bless you, right? Conscious. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm resurrected. I'm resurrected. Oh my god! Uh, uh, you, you, so I'm sorry. I wasn't listening because I was doing my bless you, conscious joke. Uh, what did I read you the, read? I read the first three issues of the Jeff Lemire, and then also 194. Right. Okay. They, so they, I read they, the, they renumber after issue 14. They go from issue 14 to issue 188. That's what Marvel likes to do. Um, embrace legacy numbers at random times. So I read 194, which is really issue 21 of this run. Anyway, so I also read that issue because someone, a few people had recommended it to us, Yeah, but I'd read the uh, Jeff Lemire run in the past. I think I read the first two or three issues last night. Uh, it's interesting because I read those Jeff Lemire issues having only really read the Warren Ellis run and the one Brian Michael Bendis run. So I did not recognize all these supporting characters that make cameos in the Jeff Lemire run. Right. Jeff Lemire brings back a lot of the original Moon Knight ensemble. 
at least in his mind, it's unclear if it's real. Right. So the whole hook of this, we should say, is that he yes, is in yes. an insane asylum being treated for his disassociative identity disorder. Um, and it's basically saying that, like, yeah, your Jake Lockley and Stephen Grant identities were party around, but also everybody who was part of the original Moon Knight story was a was a delusion on your part. Like, there's no Crowley, there's yeah. no Gina, Gina's sons, there's no Marlene. Yeah. You're not Moon Knight. There is a Moon Knight in the world, but you are not him. Yes, and then, but it is revealed in the first issue that this insane asylum is itself possibly a la The Matrix. The real delusion. Yeah. And that if you wake up, you will find that there is a rival Egyptian god that is imprisoning you in the idea that you're in an insane asylum and you're not actually. So you right? just kind of decide which one you believe and go for it. Yeah. Like, is are you really in an insane asylum or are you being held prisoner by an Egyptian god? And the answer, at least from what I can tell in every story, this is a trope, I think. This has been done in a number of, uh, I've read this type of story a lot. The answer always is you are the superhero. Yeah, you're right. You're so correct. If you start thinking you're a superhero, you're right. <laughs> is what I've learned. Uh, it's really it's beautifully drawn by Greg Smallwood. But yeah, Crowley shows up, Frenchie shows up, Marlene shows up. I read this comic, I must have been like, I don't know who any of these people are, but I kept reading it, so it didn't bother me that much. But yeah. now that I've read some of the uh, original run, I'm like, oh, these are all very good callbacks. Yes. Um, it, it's interesting. I've said this many times in our comics discussion, Kevin, but just how much we live in the age of the reboot of like how many things definitely in comics, but it's true in television shows also and probably movies. Yeah, definitely movies where it's like, OK, creator, your job is to become educated on the history of this franchise or property and then use all the pieces in a creative, modern way. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and man, Moon Knight is a real exercise in that. Well, especially that run, like Warren Ellis is sort of discards a lot of the excess yeah. in his version, where this kind of brings everything into play. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. It's not as simple or as pure or as clear as like the Warren Ellis run. Yeah. Like I the mean, Warren Ellis run of everything we've read is the easiest to say like, oh, this can be that this is probably what the MCU show is mostly looking at. Yeah. It's the most self-contained. I don't it's know if the, the show's not out yet, but that'd yeah. be my guess. Right. If I was going to pick one to adapt, that's what I would pick. Yeah. It's also the most accessible. You can just jump into it and kind of know what's going on. It also feels like the most, the easiest one to say like, I'll do that. I can do the next issue of this. Yeah. Where like the Jeff Lemire run, I think is really good, but like, what's the next story? Like, this is just one big story. It's over at the end of it. Yeah. What do you like? What do you do with him now? It's like you got to tell a new story, like a, a completely new take on this character almost. Uh, sort of like Brian Michael Bendis's, where it's like, oh, you've done the superhero thing. What's next? Um, but it's, you know, again, incredibly well drawn, uh, moody, and cool. And you, very easy read. Yes. I really enjoyed it. Um, what I read. Do you want to yeah. talk about issue 194 slash 21? Oh, yeah. Um, Ty Templeton drew it. I love Ty Templeton. Yeah, you're a Ty Templeton from Ty Templeton fan from way back. Yeah, man, I love everything Ty does. Um, so that was a treat. Um, yeah, I didn't love that issue. Uh, I get uh, it's an important I mean, it, chapter in the mythology. Yeah, it, it's it's a story about him as a Jewish child mm -hmm. learning about the Holocaust, learning about the Holocaust, and then finding out that a, a local rabbi mm -hmm. 
is also a Nazi serial killer with extended life. Yeah, like supernatural. Yeah. Um, anti, like a Jew killer, basically. Right. Yes. Um, and this guy, like, and that villain got away, I guess, and like haunts Moon Knight to this day. Yeah. Cause somewhere along the line before this story, it's established that Mark Spector's dad was a rabbi or Jewish. Yeah. I didn't know that. This is where I learned that Mark Spector is Jewish. It's established somewhere before this, but this, this, this starts to make a bigger deal out of how that's affected his thinking. And this is written by Max Bemis. Uh Uh-huh. Who's a musician. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, Yeah. I don't know of uh, in what regards. So it definitely um, made me think that like what's become a big part of Moon Knight's sort of deal, and this wasn't present at all in the Doug Monek run, is like kind of like childhood trauma and dealing with like what, what of the things that I have experienced, what's real and what's not real, both in terms of multiple personality disorders, but also a family friend turned out to be the lowest kind of villain imaginable. And how can I trust anything? Mm-hmm. Max and, Bemis it will, by will is the lead singer, primary composer, and primary lyricist of the band Say Anything. Oh, thank you. There you go. Thank you for that. Um, we're doing we're doing good with our facts. Oh yeah, man. Some of some of which we look up during the show. <laughs> we still get them. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of like Moon Knight has become like, you know, what was missing in the original stories, kind of a lack of an interior psychological yeah. story. He's got that now in abundance. Like, yeah, he is the traumatized guy who deals with mental illness and people doubting him and him doubting himself and having to do the right thing despite that. And um, yeah, and, and he's really interesting. Like I, I came to initially I was like this is an impassioned story that I don't like because it's too complicated and shallow to ending up being like Moon Knight's kind of rad. Like the, the reboots have left him very as a very compelling story. Yeah. What was probably the only barest hint of it in the original run was like the idea of like, was Kanchu real and that you're kind of assuming all these different identities for not a necessarily, you don't necessarily need to do that. Yes. Uh, so the, he's got like a couple just like quirks that sort of become like his whole, like, if that is true, what else is true? Who is this guy in his interior? Uh, and it's like, oh, yeah. No, so he is just a kind of a broken person. Yeah. And what is true isn't always clear. Like, even though I think Warren Ellis' run says Kanchi was real, other runs have sort of made it seem like, or is he? Yes. Right. Uh, so it is always this thing. It's like, is this all just in his head? It, you know, it's another issue to become a hero. That- that Conchu's the Conchu was real and his and he's using Mark Spector to be his like agent. Oh, the yeah. other the other thing that Warren Ellis really solidified was that, although this was this was said before, but the Warren Ellis run solidified is that Moon Knight protects travelers at night. Oh yeah. That and that's 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 Conchu's thing. It's like travelers at night are protected. And so he protects travelers at night. So like he doesn't really care about wiping out a villain if the villain doesn't bother people at night. <laughs> Jeff Lemire's run, I think, might have also had a thing where it was like, um, you were easy for me to take control of, but that also means other people can take control of you. Like, you're an easy mark mentally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, and I don't know, how, it, like, all that stuff's very interesting. 
Uh, and in the Warren Ellis run, somebody, Conchu abandons Mark Spector at one point and picks a different Moon Knight. And then Mar- and Spector has to prove himself worthy again and does. That's like an interesting story. Um, uh, but, oh gosh, what did I want to say? Protectors in a, oh yeah, yeah. So some people say that like Conchu's visitation upon Mark Spector created the multiple personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Because there are different aspects of Khonshu. Right. Yes. That's another thing. Yeah. Like benefactor, you know, warrior. I forget what they are. Yeah. Uh, and like that, that like created the multiple personality thing in his brain. And then more people more recently are like, no, he always had disassociative identity disorder, but that made him susceptible to right. Khonshu's um, bonding. But in that same sense that like Spider-Man was one of those four pillars just like Jake Lockley was, or at this point, Mr. Knight is like, yeah, he always seems to have like four versions um, kind of running around. Uh, so now having, having gone through, Oh, should we talk about the, the current run, the current run? Yeah. So uh, I read the first issue when it came out, I reread it again last night. And then I read the most recent issue on Marvel unlimited, which is like five or six. Yeah. It's written by Jed McKay, who I'm a huge fan of. Will. I really okay. like Jed McKay a lot. He did All this right. great run on black cat. Ooh. That is, on on, I think one of the best Spider-Man related books in the last few years. Ooh, even big, though Spider, even though Spider-Man praise. is not really a part of it, it you know, he, she's a supporting character, but it's great. He's written some odds and ends Spider-Man issues and a Daughters of the Dragon series, which is uh, uh, Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, who are like Iron Fist supporting characters and basically and Chris, those, Chris Claremont characters. Yeah, and I love all these books. I've loved of them all. That said, I'm not crazy about his Moon Knight thing. Did not hook me. I read the first issue. I didn't keep reading it. So I read the first two, uh, but my brain was so full of Moon Knight that I'm even now having trouble of keeping track of what happened in it. In the first issue, he like stops a vampire and recruits one of those vampires to be his secretary. Okay. Uh, and in the last issue, like he there's he's like somebody has set up a trap for him. Uh, what's going on is unclear, other than like Moon Knight is getting therapy. Mm-hmm. Or Mr. Knight is undergoing therapy, seemingly uh, under orders of the Avengers. Like, if they're going to allow him to operate, he needs to be seeing a therapist. Okay. And so he has agreed to do that. Uh, and he's sort of like running a uh, like a foundation or something to help people. Like, you come to me with your problems, and I will help you. So it's sort of like help, uh, sort of uh, helping uh, people who have nowhere else to turn. Um. And it's written well enough. It's just, I think the coolness of Warren Ellis is gone. The the trippiness of Jeff Lemire isn't there, at least in those issues I've read. It's a little more straightforward. It just didn't quite hook me because I think Moon Knight for me needs a little bit of that extra stuff going on. Yeah. Um, I need Conchu sitting in a chair across from him berating him. I, I love that. Just something that happened Ellis to stories. Him. Yeah. Like that stuff I thought really helped me love the character. So uh, now- and it wasn't there in these. So, Kevin, I'm going to challenge you to do this. Summarize what Moon Knight was originally in the Doug Monek run, based on our brief. Yeah. And then what is he now? Because they're two different things. Yeah, I think originally he was probably the closest thing to him. He was like a spy almost. He was like a superhero spy with multiple identities. Yeah. But he would sort of be like, you never knew where he was in the city. He had agents everywhere. And then Mm -hmm. when he needed to, he put on his costume and punched you. Right. Okay. I could see that. And now he's sort of a mentally damaged person who channels that 
uh, possibly due to supernatural reasons into his superhero identity. I'm going to uh, add in a couple other things. Okay. I think the other meaning, I agree with that. And I think the other ingredients of Moon Knight, and it's, I didn't ask you the question fairly, is he likes you to see him coming, has become a major part of him. Yes. Um, he is fundamentally decent at all times. Like he really tries to do the right thing, no matter how unsure think, he is of what's going on. I think that was always true. It's a hero that, thing. That was it wasn't totally true in the Houston run, but it has solidly. Yes, yeah, okay, that's true. It, it's become more interesting in his like when he doesn't know what reality is. That what he mm-hmm. tries to do is the right thing. Um, and the travelers by night, I think, is also a big part of it. Like, the yeah, con- I'm not a hundred percent sure that's still in the Jed McKay run, but it might be. Uh, vampires. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Vermin. It might be. I have read two issues of it. Um, it stuck with me. I'll say this: uh, it stuck with me. The Mister um, Knight thing is also very interesting because in the Jed McKay run, he like is talking to his secretary, and she refers to him either as Mark or Mister Spectre. He goes, "Call me Mister Knight" because he's in the Mister Knight costume. Yes, that's right. So there's okay. still this aspect of like, don't, I'm not Moon Knight right now. I'm Mr. Knight. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is an interesting aspect of Mr. The Mr. Knight persona that yeah. I think is very interesting, that he is separate from Moon Knight, despite being, for all intents and purposes, the same. Oh, you know what else is a big part of him that we didn't really underline is that he's been resurrected maybe a couple of times. He's died and- at least three times. And been brought back by Khonshu, so he's sort of not scared of dying. Yeah, he definitely died in the, the the his origin. Yes, and then he died two other times in comics we have not read, and was brought back by Khonshu just because they yeah. rebooted the series. Basically, they're like, "Oh, yeah. Khonshu brought me back." Yeah, um, I mean, superheroes come back to life all the time, but it seems baked into him. It was part of the again the Warren Ellis run when some villain says, "I could kill you right now," and he says, "I've died before. It got bored, so I stood up again or something." Yeah, yeah. Like to show how Cav- he, he kind of reminds me of Mel Gibson's character in Lethal Weapon, where he doesn't seem to worry about whether he dies or not. I know that's a strange comparison. Warren Ellis writes glib, glib yeah. quips very well, I think. Yeah. It was definitely apparent in his like planetary run and, and uh, things like that. Yeah. So I'm I'm left by um, a lot of times, you know, Marvel's insistence, or not even just Marvel, pop society's insistence on rebooting franchises. And giving them new blood, I'm like, why don't you just write a new story that's good? Yeah. But there are times when the reboot is so interesting that it intrigues me. And this is sort of one. Moon Knight, the pastiche that has been built out of all the previous runs is a pretty compelling one. He has survived as a character despite all of the flaws of each of the incarnation. Yeah. I'm largely down on connected universes in a weird way now. But the strength of them is that I think you have these characters uh, that you have so many of these characters that are sort of like left aside or like created were popular for a time and then sort of forgotten about or dropped for a while, but they were popular for a time. And it's interesting when people look at them and like kind of pull at threads until they like, here's what I find interesting. And everyone's just pulling out their own threads until something just clicks in and it's like, Oh, this works. Yeah. Uh, this must've been what everyone sort of sensed in the eighties. And I think that yeah. is what Brian Michael Bendis and Warren Ellis did is they kind of found like, well, what made this character, what makes people still talk about this character? Or why do I care about this character if they were the people that did? A lot of it might be the original design, you know, just that the all white costume with the hood I mean, and the stuff. Costume does so much, right? Who d- who designed it? Oh, gosh, Kevin. Was it Bill Sienkiewicz? No. Oh. 
It could not have. It would have been in the Werewolf by Werewolf by Night. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever drew it there. And I should know, um, and I and I don't. I'm gonna look that up. While yeah. You our talk. research, we did. We did not look up the least the, important thing. Who created? <laughs> I'm looking character. it up right now as you talk a little bit. Um. But yeah. Uh. I I, I just love this idea of like it's like let's figure out what makes it work when we bring a character back. Um, okay. A guy named Don Perlin. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, who ended up not being a big part of the, but he created the costume, which stuck with it for a long time. Yeah. And even the costume now isn't far removed from the original look. Although I do think the original artist is really Sinkevitz in terms of the guy who like put the work in of like making this. A he made it work. Yeah. 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 I mean, his covers and his like splash pages of him, especially when he got good. Yeah. Are what stuck with people. Yeah. Made that design sort of imprint on people. Um yeah, it, it, I do think it's rather than coming up with a new character. I mean, the 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 bonus to coming up with a new character is you're not making it a white man, most likely. Right, right. Um, but the old characters, there's something about them. There's some hook generally. Uh, Marvel is pretty good about that. Like the original characters were created by somebody who had an idea and had a take on them. Whether or not that take is what lasts. Like like Nova is an interesting one to me. Mm-hmm. Nova was created sort of as a I think his take was like, oh, Spider-Man's gotten older, so let's make a new Spider-Man. But instead of being like top of the class, let's make him average. Hmm. What if like not a genius was Peter Parker? Okay. So not that popular, not that great at sports, just kind of okay at everything. And he gets powers. And that sort of was the original take, but that is not who Nova is now. Nova at some point, like what took over was like this idea of like this kind of everyday Joe becoming like a soldier uh, for this intergalactic thing that like became like their greatest hero, like mm-hmm. rose through the ranks. And, like that was like the fact that this average guy became a space hero. So like mm-hmm. cosmic became such a big part of him and he cosmic was there at the beginning, but it wasn't like the hook, mm-hmm. but like, it's like this character lasted 20 issues and people looked at him and like, yeah, hey, let's, what makes him work? What could, what else could we do with him? Mm-hmm. And they figured it out. And Nova has had long runs since then. And they've all been cosmic since then. And you know, who knows, maybe, 20 years from now, that'll change again. Yeah. Uh, there isn't like a Nova series right now. What was the name of Frankie Ray's identity when she becomes the Herald? She becomes Cohen? Nova. Yeah. Okay. Different. Nova's character. just a name that gets used a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's like Captain Marvel. Like there's been 12 different Captain Marvels. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, um, and, and some of them disparately different. There's been like whatever, uh, like four or five very different Starmans in the DC universe. Sometimes there's these names where it's like, let's, let's do something different with Starman. Yeah. And it's like, what's this have to do with the last one? Nothing. <laughs> uh, but then when it works, it works great. Um, yeah, I, I, Moon Knight is very interesting. I can't say I love the current series, despite my love of Jed McKay. He's also, I like Jed McKay enough that if it keeps running long enough, it's one of those books that I'll drop in on every now and then. And, yeah. and it, if it ever gets good, I'll start reading it. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what the TV series is like, having read all these. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm very interested in the TV show. And it's, I would say mostly the Warren Ellis run is what hooks me on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Lemire's, I think, is a fun story using that character. But the Warren Ellis like foundation is what I think about when I think about Moon Knight now. My brain goes to Ellis, but also Bendis and Lemire. Those three are the ones that yeah. stay in my brain as like kind of they kind of hit the right alchemy of hero in an unreliable reality. And weirdly, like that probably combines to about three years of comics. Yeah, it was all pretty quick. 
and not none of them were super long runs, right? Yeah. Uh, but also none of it, like his longest run was 38 issues. I think the original run was 38 issues, I think. And I think that was the longest run he's had. Just like the character, he's always dying and being reincarnated. Uh, he, though he's amassed over 200 issues based on the fact that we read issue 194. <laughs> Amazing. So he, he's, he's accumulated them. Um, I don't know. Yeah, It's interesting. Like I said, it was very interesting also to read how storytelling has changed. It's fun to read a comic from the 80s. 90s aughts 2020 yes. when did thought balloons go away um because i think they were gone by the charlie houston one in 2006 i don't think there's yeah. thought balloons in that story yeah i mean that's probably and there's a, definitely thought balloons in the 1980s story there's definitely thought balloons in the 90s too um yeah so somewhere after that yeah they 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 go away and like it was a slow you know it was a slow fade like anything to like people stopped using them and mm. then like people read those comics and stopped using them. And then eventually like it's when they pop up now, it's always like off putting. It's like a thought yeah. balloon. It, yeah. it surprises you. Well, they'll use captions as a thought. They use balloon. captions and it's just like a more formal thought balloon, right? It's more like in their monologue versus my visceral thought. There's less of what is he doing right now? It's more like a book than yeah. a dialogue thing. Yeah. Which is weird. Cause we're reading like this Claremont stuff and it's so many thought balloons and yeah. characters emotionally reacting to each other it's like you know cyclops just needs some time to himself is what i'm thinking uh i'm reading untold tales of spider-man to my five-year-old at night uh and it's a it's a mix of captions and thought balloons and it's very fun to uh, uh read it to him but it's also it's very casual it's not as formal as the captions sort of become by this point kevin that's so cute uh it's fun reading him stuff yeah um so thank um, you for well, acknowledging I'm, my son. I know I got chided by a letter that I don't. <laughs> I, I get. I guess I go silent to Kevin. For <laughs> I think I just don't. I worry about being disrespectful or something. Like I'll and make a joke. You were disrespectful just now. I think <laughs> cute is a disrespectful thing to say to a five-year-old. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I hope this episode was interesting for people. This sort of like two idiots sort of diving. At, it's an also another commercial for Marvel Unlimited. It gave us the opportunity to read a ton of Moon Knight. Yeah. Um, but hopefully um, this was interesting to, to, to see like what neophytes could learn about Moon Knight in like 40 maybe, hours. Maybe we'll do this in the future. If there's somebody that you think we should dive into and do like a one episode, like, you know, first reaction to. Because um, I enjoyed doing it. I liked I liked kind of getting exposed to something I didn't know a lot about. Yeah. Uh, so, also somebody who's got such a passionate fan base as moon Knight. i've always been curious i'm still sort of curious to read the whole monic run just because i do think that created touched, so many touched fans. something yeah uh and it didn't while well, it didn't hook me and it, maybe it would never since i didn't read it in the time but i'm like oh i kind of want to read especially those teens issues where bill really gets good yeah to see if like it grabs me at all um so anyway, if you have any thoughts on moon Knight or anything comics related email us at screw it comics at gmail um, we love email, so please send us your thoughts. Uh, you can also yeah. tweet at us, Screw It Comics, or you can find us on Instagram, Screw It Comics. Yeah, we should be back with Daredevil Born Again next week, and then more mailbags and Born Again until we get through all that stuff. We're And we're thinking about maybe, we were just talking today, we might be jumping around less in the future, because we realize that we're doing basically five episodes on Born Again, and it's going to take us like four months because we have yeah. all these different types of episodes we jump between. If you're still listening, my pitch is, what if we had done all Born Again in a row? Like, so whatever that is, four or like, five episodes, and then four or five episodes of all Mailbag and X-Men. Yeah. 
That's Would a that lot be- of mailbag episodes. But we think that might be better. Anyway, in typical, we're about in it. typical Screw It Comics style, we will never arrive on one consistent template because that might make us successful, which yeah. just like Moon Knight, we want to avoid. <laughs> we want to keep changing what we are <laughs> so that it never quite last next episode it's mr hot called me mr hines <laughs> uh, we'll be dressed in really fashionable suits you won't see it it's a podcast it. but it'll, but be, it'll be there um, uh anyway thank you for listening to this episode listeners we're going back to born again next episode so uh we'll get 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 out your old miller mazzicelli we're, we're jumping back on that train next week bye everybody bye screw it, screw it. We're just comics Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic or the time i asked pitch perfect santa camp her opinion on cattle mutilations past guests have included rachel bloom jen kirkman paul f tompkins bobcat goldweight and more so if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal don't laugh happens all the time then check out bigfoot collectors club on campfire media or wherever you get your podcasts bigfoot Bigfoot collectors club you're You're here here to to believe believe us Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.